Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Devin Walker, also known as Uncle Devin, the children's drum cushionist, and I am with, uh, I'm a board member with the Teaching Artists of the Mid-Atlantic, but I'm also um, doing double duty because we're capturing uh, this workshop as a part of the We Nation podcast. So if you see me fidgeting with a couple of different things during this presentation, uh, please pardon that interruption. But I'm so glad that each one of you all are here. We are uh, honored to be here at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and want to thank the uh, Maryland Citizens for the Arts uh, and this Art Summit for even hosting this. And we're going to get right to it because we have a lot that we want to share with you. Uh, we have. Um, three of my colleagues, I'm going to have them introduce themselves to you as well, and, uh, and then we will move forward uh, with talking about the seven principles to value and priorities, uh, um, and prioritize the teaching, uh, uh, the professional teaching artist, uh, something that all four of us and our organization has been very passionate about. And so I, I hope, we hope that you uh, join us in the conversation, help share, and how we, uh, share how we can um, advance this field as we move forward. So before we even continue to go forward, I'm going to ask each one of my colleagues to introduce themselves, and then we will get started. Hello, my name is Kalishia Thorpe-Price. I am the Maryland Director for Teaching Artists of the Mid-Atlantic. Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Jones, and I'm also a board member of the Teaching Artists of the Mid-Atlantic. And I am Jennifer Ridgway. I'm uh, the co-founder of Teaching Artists of the Mid-Atlantic and the current president. All right, and so what we're gonna do is, um, and maybe as if one, when one talks, we can turn the other one off so we won't have the feedback. Um, what we're gonna do today, again, is talk about the principles for um, really empowering uh, professional teaching artists. Um, and we like to start with something. Um, I'm honored to have had the help to create a concept that we call uh, PSAs, Uncle Devin's PSAs, Problem, Solution, and Action. Now, many of us have been in meetings before where there's always someone that will be willing to share what the problem is. And in fact, if you're not careful, that entire meeting is taken up with that person just talking about the problem. Now, problems are important because it helps us get to the solution, but if you're not careful, the problem can become uh, the, the, the main focus. And so what the PSA stands for is problem, solution, and action. And it's not just finding the solution. You see, in a, um, in a capitalist racist system that we live in, the emphasis is always on the problem and all the money and all, all the ideas are on that. And very little emphasis is put on the action. And if it is an, a solution and an action, it's only for one person to take, uh, take up or two people to take up. But if we live in a society that where we put people before profit, and if we live in a society where uh, the, we, we start from the bottom up, then the emphasis is mainly on the action, but not the action of what I think you should be doing, but first and foremost, the action I should be doing. And each one of us determined that we need to do to bring about a solution to solve the problem. So today, we're gonna focus on uh, and share with you these seven principles, but we're gonna start with the action, because we don't want to be here and we don't want people to sit here and think that we're just uh, crying about the problem. We are action-oriented, and in the process, we would love to hear your suggestions on actions you're taking to help resolve this or actions that you can take uh, to help uh, resolve these issues. 
And so keeping uh, with the game, we should, uh, you know, we, we're going to uh, make sure that we focus on, uh, on these pr principles. And I mentioned we are all board members. So right now, we're going to start off with our first uh, area of excellence. And I'm going to turn it over to our president of the, of the ta Teaching Artists of Mid-Atlantic, Jennifer. So um, let's see, so for this first principle, I'm going to start my timer, you guys. We got like six minutes for each principle. <laughs> um, so I'm going to, let's see, let's just restart. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Um, so this first principle, um, we're going to really start with the action. And the action that I take to advance this profession um, in equity and justice in the profession is I, um, I, I, let's see, I'm so sorry. Um, I own my profession and I own my practice and I call myself a teaching artist. I don't call myself an actor. I don't call myself a theater artist. I don't call myself a puppeteer. I don't call myself a choreographer. These are things that I do, but I am a teaching artist. And that is what I call myself. Um, and a few years ago, I began to publicly post on my Facebook page, my teaching artist practice is my art form. I do this again and again every year. And each time I have friends and colleagues who respond with things like, I needed this new perspective on my career because this is what we do. Yes, we need to own our profession. It, it is incumbent on us as professional teaching artists to own the title, to say we are teaching artists, not to say we are theater artists or visual artists or dancers or, uh, and I, I wanna, like, those are part of it. But I am a teaching artist, it is my art form. And I consistently shift that focus and the power of the teaching artist. And I, I, I started as a, a theater artist, and I love going to the theater, but I don't want to necessarily give my participants theater. I do much more than that. And we need to celebrate all the areas that we show up in society as teaching artists um, and build this profession. It's our, it's our responsibility to advocate in this way. It is our responsibility to own this principle and all the other ones. It is our responsibility to wake up. I, I, I just, you guys, this book, Making Change, Teaching Artists and Their Role in Shaping a Better World by Eric Booth. It just recently came out. I encourage you all to read it. But he says, teaching artistry is a sleeping giant in social change. And he kind of goes over, TAs have the capacity to develop important um, personal and social capacities. They enhance the life of communities. They impact political and social movements. They achieve goals important to non-arts institutions, work and businesses. They deepen the development of art making skills. They boost the learning of non-art subjects. They enrich encounters with artworks. We strive for excellence in all of those areas. It's part of our lived experience. It requires so much of us. We work as independent contractors, as full and part-time employees, and we own businesses. It is our choice, but it is also our choice to be respected for and responsible for our whole lives, yeah. which the principles that follow will speak to. 
But to get to them, you've got to start with this action and this principle, and that's owning the art form of teaching artistry. And not to be existing in this hierarchical society of art. That Broadway, that the museums are the end point. The end point is in my community with the stuff that I'm doing. Thank you, and I know that um, achieving this goal, um, you know, and I, you know, dealing with these principles is to achieve the, an equitable, sustainable, and vibrant arts ecosystem for teaching artists, and it requires employees and independent uh, professionals to seek out fair and livable wages and compensation consistent with other fields, and it takes all stakeholders, and we must adopt the, the, you know, these principles. And the one principle that Jennifer was speaking to uh, is artistic excellence. Uh, the problem, as we work our way back, she's already talked about a solution. Uh, we've, the solution is to focus on the problem, and the problem is the exploited view that teaching artists are not artists of excellence seen on American stages and exhibited in American museums. And so um, I believe, Jennifer, we want to give one uh, experience that yeah. illustrates this problem. I have an experience that illustrates this problem. There are like so many, but um, I worked at a place, I've been in such situations where artistic directors suggest that, I'm a theater artist, you guys, that's where I'm gonna speak from, but uh, artistic directors suggest that their equity actors from New York City are much more qualified than me to do the work. Um, then, or any of our, the rostered teaching artists on staff that are oftentimes the people that are members of the community, right? We are embedded in the community. We know the community best. We live and work in those communities. And this notion that is pushed out there, it, it puts a value on artistry as hierarchical and that there is an expertise that I don't have and it is actually inherently against what teaching artistry is all about. Teaching artistry says that every human is artistic. So how can, I, I mean, I, I own that, but yet then, boom, I'm, I'm pushed off. I, I'm out of the sphere of being able to do the thing that I do best. So, I, and I don't wanna dismiss all those wonderful people. Oh, that's the timer. But I do know, actually, we have six, we have six minutes available to us. Yeah. I'm going to go on for one extra minute because, because, okay, you guys, do you know, if you Google teaching artist, you come to this uh, definition on the Wikipedia that says that we supplement our income. I don't supplement my income as an artist. Uh, it is my income. I, my artistry, my teaching artistry is my life income. I don't do art, like, uh, uh, these folks, okay. And, and I don't want to dismiss, like, that hierarchical thing. I, I love those folks. I, that is part of all of it. But, like, I want to go, this ecosystem, I want to, ooh, like, and it's here. Okay. These folks I'm sitting next to, these folks, <laughs> these teaching artists, they are Freaking amazing. And if we are able to tap, really, own all these other principles and tap into what they have the power to do, the unimaginable is impo it's possible, and I just can't wait 
to make change with it. There you go. All right. All right. Awesome. All right. So that was the first principle. Now we're going to turn to uh, Denise, who's going to now talk about or give an action that she uh, that she's taken in, in relationship to. Uh, did I skip one? No. No. Okay. No, you're good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, to Denise to talk about um, uh, an action that she's taken to advance the profession. Yes. So uh, I want to give an example. I had the experience of being invited to the Montgomery County Council's Black History Month um, public commemoration last year. And I had the opportunity to speak about the arts at, from the health and wellness aspect as the county had increased funding for the arts, knowing that TAs were really, really, really needed. Um, remember, it was the pandemic still, and they increased the funding and also to help uplift social emotional wellness during this period. And also through the lens of racial equity and social justice, I was able to also speak to that as well. So this was sobering for me, but it made me my work and profession seen, heard, and valued because I'd been invited specifically to be at the table and speak about these things with other professionals in the community. That is um, a great example of, Devin, you're gonna read the principle, the next principle, thank you. Yes, a great example of professional respect, the solution that she's that her action speaks to is teaching artists are professionals and leaders seated at the table where decisions happen. Yep. We're not afterthoughts, and I, th and I think that's what you were speaking to, and the problem, uh, the, the, the problem is focused on the teaching artists are not yet capable or, or not interested, nor have the time to be at the decision-making table. Can you give us an example? That's right, we wanted to hear from oh, you. Okay, that's right, I am doing the example. <laughs> One of the things that, um, uh, that I've been really passionate about is getting teaching artists to not only recognize their value, but also recognize themselves as a business. Yes. I live in Washington, D.C. My wife and I are the co-owners of The Uncle Devin Show. So a couple of years ago, we became a certified business enterprise. In Washington, D.C., any contract over $250,000, um, 35% of that must be spent on a CBE, a Certified Business Enterprise. So if you got a million dollar contract that, that an arts organization gets, they're required to spend 35% of that with, an, uh, with a CBE. Typically, artists don't see themselves as businesses, so they never go and become certified in this particular process. So recently, in April, we, there was a, uh, well, let me also say that agencies in D.C. can also ask for a waiver if they feel that they're not sufficient CBEs to do the work. In this particular instance, in April, a waiver memorandum was sent out by the D.C. public schools. And they said they wanted to give, this, give the work to a nonprofit organization out of Baltimore to do a six-week summer camp program for two schools. The amount was $999,901. So myself and another CBE 
expressed our interest in this particular um, event. Uh, and we started negotiating with the prime contractor. And I'm saying this for you other teaching artists that are out here. If I would not have went this route, the best I could have gotten out of this possibly was uh, to become a teaching artist for about $10,000, uh, for the, uh, working full time for six weeks. They offered my company $113,000 because they knew that they at the time had that subcontracting requirement. They offered the other organization $115,000. But we knew that that didn't eat up, add up to 35%. So we continued with the negotiation process and then eventually the organization, the nonprofit organization, um, just cut off communication. There was an article that came out in the Washington Informer yesterday that outlined uh, that there's a fraud complaint now that's uh, looking into the Department of uh, the, the DC Public Schools and that nonprofit. But the point being is we can put ourselves in positions to be at the table if we're willing to do the, the work. Uh, Kalisha did something similar and became a, uh, a certified women-owned, black-owned women, uh, bus business in Maryland. So when a contract came up and she got it, she's now sitting at the table with the other organizations who traditionally get that work. So nonetheless, I just wanted to share with you that this is uh, an, an action. Uh, an action is first is about loving yourself. And when you love yourself and you want to put yourself in the best position, you take the time and do the paperwork that, that is needed so that you can have these particular opportunities. And that speaks to professional development and professional respect. All right, so let's keep, let's keep this party going. Y'all okay? <laughs> okay, any, any, any comments or questions real quick before we? Okay. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, so now I wanna move uh, to, is that you, Kalisha? Yeah, no. no, it's me. Oh, it's oh Denise, me. okay, going, going back to Denise. Yep. Uh, action, uh, focusing on principle number three, but what's the action? We're gonna focus on the action of uh, autonomy and choice. Denise, take it away. So um, in advancing the profession, I have a very strong feeling uh, about TAs working with youth, also recognizing yourselves as youth development workers, which means I have considered my work through this lens and have taken many trainings to support my practice. For instance, creative facilitation with Partners for Youth Empowerment, which is a US-based um, but global concern um, business development and financial literacy programs and classes, because I am a business, right? And uh, Black Lives Matter at School by DC Social Justice Educators. I make a point to attend at least five professional development uh, programs every single year because it is important to me that I am using best practices and it's not just about the art form, right, the, the uh, discipline mm -hmm. of my art, it's about being able to creatively and impactfully do my work as a teaching artist. I owe it to the kids to make sure that I am doing my best in youth development. Awesome. That's what I do. Awesome. And that, again, speaks to autonomy and choice. And as you see on the screen, yep. the solution that she's speaking to is professional teaching artists seek quality, robust training to master their profession and hone their e expertise and skills as artists, teachers, business owners, and leaders. Now, the problem 
has always been teaching artists require ongoing on-site support and training for each project and for organizations to tell them what and how to do the work. Um, to give us an action uh, related to that, uh, I'm gonna turn it over to Kalisha. So um, an experience that I had that illustrates this problem, I've been a teaching artist working in with theater and arts and education for about 22 years. I know I don't look that old. <laughs> um, as a seasoned TA, I worked with an organization for about eight years. Um, I often trained novice TAs for this organization. Um, but this organization would insist that myself and other seasoned TAs take like these intro to arts integration <laughs> trainings. Um, for what? <laughs> you know, our time is valuable. And these trainings were really not worth our time. I mean, TAs with more experience than, than myself. And I'm just like, why are we here? You know, we shouldn't be forced to take mandated trainings because, you know, it can, it's a line item for them or it's something that they could get funding for. Like, right. that's, that's not my purpose. <laughs> that's not my purpose. Um, and because, you know, what are you giving us to attend, $30? That's not my rate for anything. <laughs> so um, I, I, I like to pick my own trainings that, yes. that make sense for me, you know, not because somebody is dictating to me that I have to take, not like my guidance counselor dictating to me that I have to take this class. I'm a grown woman. I know what I need. I know what my business needs, and I know what I need to grow as a professional. I don't need to be told that. Right, so that was related to autonomy, autonomy and choice. So we spoke about the action, the problem, the solution, and the problem. Um, I was telling them that we, we do this sort of like they do Jeopardy, they give you the answer, and then you have to state the question. We do that because we, w again, want to put the emphasis where it belongs, and that is on the action. But there's, you know, you have to have the theory, and that's what we, we focus on. So let's move on to uh, the next principle, fair, Hey, and I'm going to uh, turn that over again to Kalicia. All right, fair pay. So an action that I take to advance the profession is to put the TAMA logo, Teaching Artists of the Mid-Atlantic, on invoices and give um, a professional discount. So even if an organization is not paying me what I should be getting paid, that still needs to be listed on my invoice so they know what my fee really is for that. Um, and then I would um, put, it, put the statement on, um, a TAMA statement here. TAMA calls on, state, on stakeholders to value teaching artists as paid professionals, utilize the Teaching Artist Guild's TA pay calculator to compensate teaching artists minimally at a living wage. We're not trying to get rich. We are just trying to pay our bills at a living wage. Minimally. Minimally. <laughs> pay should consider taxes, medical insurance, car insurance, liability insurance, sick leave, retirement, dental, uh, vision, all of that. We're, we're paying that all out of pocket. Mm -hmm. I don't get a, 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 a match for the money that I'm putting into my retirement. It's all whatever comes out of Kalisha's pocket. Nobody reimburses me for paying business liability for, for myself, right? So you, all of that overhead needs to be considered just like any other business would consider it. I am a business. 
Um, and I think, um, did we have a slide um, that I can't read? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I have on my glasses. So what is your base rate for your location? And if, if any of you are not familiar with the Teaching Artist Pay Rate Calendar, it is on the Teaching Artist Guild uh, website. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so um, when you're considering pay, you know, you can go into the website and you can type in, you know, I'm entry level, I'm professional, I'm a master level teaching artist. I live in this area. Now, many of us that live in this area, DC Metro Baltimore, we work in Baltimore, we work in DC, we work in Virginia, but you have to think about where you live. If I live in Montgomery County, but I'm working in Baltimore, my rate is higher. My, my property taxes are higher. My cost of living is higher. So that needs to be factored in. And if you plug in, even if you know, you can plug in your area and different areas and say, hey, wait a minute, I should be making a whole bump more. If you see the rate for DC Metro, um, I should be making a little bit more than these folks over here. Mm -hmm. Just because the organization is based there, that doesn't have anything to do with you, you know? So you need to consider that. And organizations that are pulling their talent from all over places. our region, they have to be aware of that. Because not only is your cost of living might be more, you also have to travel to get there too, right? So there's a lot. Um, so definitely share the link to this pay rate um, calculator when you're negotiating like hey I'm not I'm not just making this stuff up this is how much it costs to live in this area and I think we all really know how much it costs to live in this area mm -hmm. it's a it's a lot Here we go. and so again this one uh, is for fair pay as, as she mentioned and the problem is that teaching artists are uh, are viewed as starving artists desperate for work and grateful for the funding crumbs organizations give them. I've always said that, and again, no one is saying that no one, sh uh, you know, that an uh, executive or someone shouldn't make any money. But I, if you have an art organization, you can't do your work without the artist. And I don't know, and I, we can do a study, I don't know if there's ever a, and if there's any artist that makes the six figures that those that have the art organizations make. And it's, you know, it's, it, and it's basically kind of what goes on in, in, in the world in general. Those that grow the food don't eat the food. Those that make the clothes don't, you know, can't afford the clothes, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same system that we, we're, we're focusing on. So you've already gave action. Do you want to add anything to that? Um, so I was just gonna um, say um, an experience that illustrates this problem, like I talked about the mileage for a second earlier. Um, TAs are often asked to, to go to their classes or residencies without mileage reimbursement. Um, most of us are independent contractors. We have the right to full mileage reimbursement. Right. Not, oh, I'll reimburse you after 25 miles. No. <laughs> I have the right to full reimbursement as an independent contractor. You shouldn't be comfortable. You're not going to tell the guy that comes out to fix your air conditioner, oh, well, I'll give you a little something for gas. No, he's going to write his travel fee on there, and you're going to smile, and you're going to pay it. Give me that same respect, um, especially when sometimes you're asking teaching artists to come out to teach one class. <laughs> And you're not going to pay mileage, you know, you know that that we we have to speak up about that. 
we have to speak up about the mileage. That's a, I just want to add to that. That's independent contractor versus employee. You are not an employee. You're an independent contractor. That's why Kalisha is saying you're entitled to all of that. And, and, and I think some, I, even with some organizations, even if you are an employee, sometimes they will still have you going out for one class. Yep. Okay, I'm a part-time employee, but you're sending me out for one hour at a time? Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you should reconsider how you're classifying me because that doesn't make sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 You really need to understand that part-time employment. Understand that part-time employment or and, and how it is really, what hours are we actually working for your organization? Yes. All right. Um, and so I guess you see, we, we're really making sure that we, uh, that, that artists um, stand up for themselves. And that's really what, at the heart of what we're talking about, what we've gone through, the, what, the first four principles? So we have the fifth principle, which is self-worth, or did I, yeah. With self-worth, okay, Denise, uh, won't you share with us an action uh, that you take to advance the profession? So people call me a connector all the time because um, in my mind, recognizing self-worth is sharing information with TAs uh, about what it means to have a living wage, to earn enough to cover your regular minimum expenses. Kalisha talked a little bit about that. Food, rent, mortgage, taxes, medical insurance, car insurance, your liability insurance, dental vision, paid family leave, mental health days, sick leave, retirement plans, and your professional development. So knowledge is power, and we support TA knowledge, advocacy, and agency, including um, the notion that at 45, at 65, you don't earn the same thing that you did when you were 25 years old, right? You have to recognize your self-worth and, and consider that as you go along in de the development of your practice. All right, and that again speaks to the principle of self-worth. Uh, that the, the, pro the problem that she's speaking to is teaching artists can work free hours. How many <laughs> times have we back, and any artist can appreciate this, you know, when people ask you to do something for free, you know, I'm, I, it's a nonprofit, we, we don't really have that much money. Well, you don't ask the plumber to come out and do something for free. You don't ask the gas company to come out for free. We are artists, we are professionals, and that's the, the key that we, we focus on. And they do that because as independent contractors, uh, Federal law extends the opportunity for profit and loss, so that's the, pr the exploited process. So let's talk about, uh, give an example uh, of that, and I think I'll turn it back over to Jennifer. Um, yeah, so uh, kind of an, an example that illustrates um, the exploited viewpoint is, um, I, this was pre-pandemic, I was doing an away gig, and um, I, you know, I, uh, there's just, just, you know, there's just so m many, I, I don't need to be so spe specific. It's really more about that, even with these low wages that we so often experience, we are also told to begin a job, um, go out and get the materials, 
maybe go in, you know, go to, on an away trip and book a hotel and um, maybe rent a car and do all that without any um, deposit being given, afforded to us, as if like we've just got like money, like just hanging out, like, you know, like just coming out of me, like I'm growing money here. And um, I, I mean, this is, just, it's, it's really, uh, it's just unacceptable. We would not, I, I hired a web designer to do Tama's website. They had a deposit before they started work. Why are we expected to start work with until uh, you don't get paid until you complete the job. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, with the TA pay calculator, you know, we spoke a little bit more about like it asks you to put in your experience level, beginning, professional, emerging, and master. Um, it, this one that we use here in this example that's on the screen um, is the Washington D.C. Um, spread out, you know, it's be beginning level for Washington, D.C., um, su suburbs of Maryland. And Jennifer, I think one thing that we didn't mention, um, when, we're when you're thinking about your hourly rate, don't forget about that planning and preparation time. Yeah, that's right. We often are only paid for facilitation time. But as I call it magic, um, <laughs> the magic does not just happen. <laughs> we make it look so seamless every time, but it's because of the amount of work that we put into our planning and prep and because of the, the experience that, that we have, right? Yep. That makes it look like that. So times that by two. <laughs> like, okay, so that's an hour for me in the class and what, two hours? I know visual artists, you need more time to prep. Three hours for that one class, maybe mm -hmm. you should be getting paid. Can I just say for a moment about magic? Everyone needs to follow Kalisha on, the, on her social media and check out a, like a few weeks ago during um, April is National Teaching Artists Month. May. May. Uh, in my mind it is. I don't know if everyone <laughs> celebrates. I do, of course. Um, and um, halfway like through the month, she posted uh, this beautiful post about teaching artists and all the planning and preparation and mm -hmm. how that turns into magic in our classrooms. Okay. And uh, my dad says, add 10% because something's going to go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know if you ever have to contact an attorney, <laughs> the moment you get in there, the time <laughs> is running. Right. And I respect that. It's their profession. Right. And we just say it should be respected the same way in this regard. So um, I know, um, Jennifer, was it, were you going to give us a, a, an, an example of what uh, of that particular Central? principle? Or are we? did I skip it? I think she did. I kind of did, yeah. You were going to do. Oh, we were going to start with control. Mm -hmm. Control. If, my, right. um, <laughs> if this doesn't stop sliding around, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so we're, we're going to go to the principle of control, and I think so. Kalisha will, if you can, if you want to take this here too, you can. Right. Want to give an, uh, the the uh, I guess you're going to talk about an action that mm -hmm. you take yeah. to advance the profession under the principle of control. All right, so um, an action that I take to advance the profession. So control. Um, we're in a podcast here, we're presenting here at the summit, and we would like to validate and celebrate the fact that 
they did not try to control this content. Yep. You know, you go and present for conferences and things, and they say, well, we need to record this. Well, who, where's that record and live? Well, who's? <laughs> they didn't do that with us, right? We're streaming, but they're not, they did not ask to record our content or to own our content. Snaps. Um, so much respect for that. Uh, people are getting to see the content, we're coming together and we're celebrating and it's a, it's a big deal for all of us, but they did not try to control this segment, which is pretty awesome. All right, so then this is the, the equitable view is professional teaching artists control their content, ownership and licenses. During the pandemic, many of us, we, 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 were, we were all panicking. Things came up and the next, but it was a grab for a lot of other organizations and many of us not even knowing, just so that we can survive, allowed other people to own our content. And so I know here we're like, no, everything has a, has a, has a, has a price. If you want it for another two weeks, you're gonna pay for it for another two weeks, et cetera. And that's how we move forward. So um, we wanna give an example. Uh, who's that? I think that's me. That's you, okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, as Jennifer mentioned earlier, uh, teaching artistry is my art form, right? So if teaching artistry is my art form, my lessons, that's my creative content, that intellectual property, stop asking for it. <laughs> Are you gonna ask for the manuscript or the painting or the comp composition? <laughs> stop asking for it. And we often hear, oh, organizations tell TAs that they need copies of the lessons plans for the schools or the funders. I'm meeting with principals now, and they're not asking me for the content. Right. So somebody hasn't been being honest for these 20-something years. Um, that needs to be respected. Um, they may need a sample at most for the grant or something, but you don't need all 10 lessons. Um, that respect that that is my content. So um, organizations often add language to yes. their contracts. And let's be honest, a lot of us are not reading through all of the contracts. Oh, it's exhausting. Yes. I have reading glasses on, I'm squinting, I'm tired. We might not understand it. <laughs> right, you don't understand everything. Or you also, you sign contract, we sign contracts. Having read it, knowing it is something we are not going to do, like we don't agree to but you just sign but it you anyway. just sign it anyway because the class has no. started in two days and they just sent you the contract right <laughs> um so they often add language in their contracts that give them the right to use your content mm -hmm. in perpetuity yeah <laughs> why would that be okay they wouldn't ask that to some they wouldn't ask anyone else that we are the ones that are foolish enough to say okay right they ask for it in perpetuity. Um, this would be like writing a song and never receiving any money after you wrote it, right? Um, allowing someone to produce your play as many times as they want. Go nuts, knock yourself out. <laughs> you know, organizations are not seeing us as artists. I work with an organization that puts on performances and live shows, yet they'll ask me to record my content and use it as many times as they want without paying me, but I know they would not ask that of the artist on their main stage. They would not. So please give me that same respect. Um, they're not respecting our um, creative content, um, and I'm gonna pass this to Denise. Yeah, um, 
so I just wanted to add a little bit to this. So even though they've given you a contract, you really still are in the negotiation phase, right? So if there's language in there about them owning your content, just cross it out. That's what I do. I cross it out, I date it, and I initial it. That's not going to happen because it's mine. I created it, I own it, I get to use it the way I want to. So that's not part of, of this contract. All right, and I, I want to be mindful. We, we good with time? We We're good with time. Okay. All we right. might even be able to have some questions. All okay, right, good. Right. That's what we want because it's, right. it's about collective and hearing, hearing other responses. So let's move to the last one. Uh, principle number seven, and these again are the principles, uh, uh, seven principles to value and prioritize the professional teaching artist. Uh, and that is uh, prepared and responsible. Prepared and responsible. Um, Kalisha or Denise, do you want to share with us an action or that uh, you take to advance the yeah. profession? All right, so an action. Um, so teaching artists are valued and respected for their professionalism. They're respected for the quality and the care that they put into their work. They're hired because of the special skill set and knowledge in the field. Um, they don't have to constantly be called on for updates on their plans or what are you doing next week or are you set for Monday. They don't need administrators popping up for unscheduled observations. Um, lesson plans do not have to be checked for accuracy and rigor. When you hire a professional, you get professionalism. That's right. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that's okay. I, so, to remind you, teaching artists are the heart of a vibrant, equitable, and sustainable arts ecosystem. We are the heart. We are the connecting tissue, ready to introduce students to a variety of high-quality, art forms through experiential learning. They're prepared to, we are prepared to lead or co collaborate and micromanaging works against the experience and expected outcomes. So like Kalisha said, we don't need somebody popping up to double check on us, right? In fact, I have taken um, the time when I've had a funder um, or I've or an arts organization show up, I've asked them to please leave because they are interrupters to the work and that I'm doing to create the community that I've worked very hard to build so that the students can get what, they, what, what I'm planning for them to do. So they're not in a fishbowl, you know, for, for the funders and the arts organizations. And it only works when we can work our best, right? We are the connective tissue. Can I add something to that? <laughs> because that, that, that this fishbowl concept, you know, um, you know, equity actors are like, they have a protective like space, that rehearsal space. Like, uh, yeah. not just anyone's allowed into that rehearsal right. hall. And it's, it's interesting that we are, don't honor that with the work that teaching artists are doing with the participants of all ages, that it is, that the, there is a special relationship and a special uh, environment of yeah. braveness and safety yes. and trust 
that the teaching artist is trying to, to build, just as a director is trying to build that with their actors. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes, and all of these speak to the principle of prepared, uh, being prepared and responsible. The equitable view that we take and that we ask uh, all of our stakeholders to take is that professional teaching artists take the initiative with little to no project orientation needed and are committed and ready to work and are able to improve, I mean, imp improvise based on changing circumstances. This is to counter the exploitative view uh, that teaching artists are poor communicators, slow to follow up, show up late, <laughs> and lack commitment requiring additional su support before they can work. Now, again, someone comes in late, then you know not to use them again the next time. It's right. as simple as that. But you, you don't put that label on all artists. Um, and so um, let's... Well, but yet... Yes. But yet they do. But they do. <laughs> <laughs> I received a contract this year uh, where it stated that I needed to be to a school 45 minutes early. Um, and it was a middle school, and I was just teaching a workshop. I had no setup. So I would be sitting in a hallway for 45 minutes because there's no classroom that I was going to be going into because it's a middle school, so they're shifting in and out of that classroom. So I literally would be sitting in a hallway for 45 minutes if I, I and I am a person as a teaching artist. I'm a professional teaching artist, so I like to like do all the things. And so when I saw that, I was like, <laughs> I have to be there 45 minutes early. Like, you know, I, it stressed me out. I called the, the administrator and I was like, I, I, I can't do this. Like, I only need to get there 10 minutes. Like, I just want to really walk in. Like, I know what I'm doing. Right. And they, they said, oh, well, all these other teaching artists, they don't show up on time. Well, they might not be a professional. <laughs> That's a problem. Like, you're not yeah. And when you start hiring professionals, I'm, I'm telling you, you're not going to have a problem like that. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a rare occasion where, like, you know, uh, I had a bear in my yard this morning. Like, okay, yeah, I had a bear in my yard. That might have made me late today. Okay. True story. True story. True story. It's on the news. Um, and I have a quick one. Um, you know, TAs have to submit plans and reports so their efforts can be monitored. We don't have time for that. Are you playing us? Her report <laughs> we don't have time for that um, sometimes uh, folks forget organizations forget we don't only work for you can you imagine if every place that you work for wanted a report or a meeting or a, we just don't have time no we do we do <laughs> oh but I mean we don't have time for the report no, no. <laughs> but we have time exactly. for you exactly. it's, it's a whole nother admin piece um, right Right. And we know they don't want to pay us extra for it. Mm -hmm. So let's just take it out of there. Right. Let's not do it. So I have a, uh, one more thing to add. And I know you probably all experienced this at some time or other. Giving TAs a severely limited supplies budget uh, adversely impacts the residency outcomes. It also takes advantage of the TAs because now you have to to do your work. you got to dip into your own studio supplies, right, or your pocket same, virtually the same thing, um, so that you can be prepared. And that's, that's, that's not right. We're not, um, we are professionals. You want us to do this work, then you have to give us the supplies budget that, uh, that merits 
the work in the way that you want it to be delivered. Can't, can't cheat us. Yeah. Or as my grandmother used to say, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. <laughs> I gotta think about that one for a minute, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bro, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, we uh, right now we're getting some work done to our home air conditioning unit, but um, and there are certain supplies that the uh, HVAC rep needs. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? They bill, you know, our household for that, which right. they should. And right. so it's the same thing with our profession. The at the bottom line, what we're really trying to just suggest is that traditionally, for whatever historical purpose, the the field of artistry and specifically teaching artists has been one where exploitation has been the rule of the day. And we're saying that it's, you know, it's not happening any longer. And we're providing examples. All of us have stepped out. And I can honestly say that after I said no, and after my wife and I said no, and left certain organizations, I would say my salary doubled because I, I now was relying on myself to go out and make these connections. And so, and again, this is not saying that, uh, this is not saying that all organizations are bad. That's, it, we, if, you, you, if you're a good organization, this doesn't even apply to you. Because there are certain organizations that we do work with and they, all they have to do is call me and I'm there. But that's because they treat me and treat other artists as professionals. And so, um, so right now, we, you know, those are the seven principles that we went through. We talked about excellence, Professional respect, autonomy and choice, fair pay, self-worth, and control. And what we're asking our stakeholders is to adopt these principles as a part of your uh, goal if you rely on teaching artists. Many organizations, the only, time they, the only way that they get work done is through artists, but we're not even in their mission statement. We're not even considered in their in their plan in, in, in what they do, and and we just want to change that. So, what we want to do is, I guess, do we want to open it up now, or do I want to mm -hmm. go to the issue of the union that you was talking about? No, I think we should we should go to active participation and maybe, um, yeah. Okay, the act. Okay, the maybe. active participation. Yeah. And um, and I mentioned earlier about the PSAs: problem, solution, and action. Um, none of us up here. Was, have suggested anything that we haven't already done ourselves. Um, and, uh, and solutions, though, are best when they come from the collective. Mm -hmm. So we've been aggressively trying to reach out to teaching artists to come and meet with us, come to, you know, we have TA cafes where we just come and just talk about issues that are relating to us. For those who are people of color, we have a, uh, once a month a TA cafe just ca called Genesis for people of color to talk about things that are specific to people of color. So there's so many different opportunities that we have with that. And, and I don't know uh, if, if anybody want to address the issue of uh, the concept of us being a union. Did we want okay, yes, yes, I can, I can address this one. Because <laughs> okay. I, I frequently get people saying, well, you should, Jennifer, what you should do is you should, Tama should start a union. Mm. Yeah, we should. Are you going to do it? You going to do it? That, that's the Come PSAs. In. Coming up with a solution, but you have to be part of the action. There's a lot of things that people can do, but if you have a solution, then we are just asking people, look, it's all of us. None of us get paid to do what we do for Tama. It's just we know that there's a need and we do it. 
Yeah, and, and, and I also want to expand this definition of teaching artists too. Teaching artists are community artists, they're participatory artists, you know, there's a lot of different titles that we fall under, um, and, and I, I think it, it kind of embraces all of them. Um, but the, uh, the other, the other I thing is, I have two family members who work for Prince George's County Public Schools, um, and um, they belong to a union, um, and I have a bro two brothers who work for the New York um, Hotel Union, and um, they, they we have so many little arguments in our household. You guys, we're a fighting family, um, and um, my brothers will tell my 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 teacher family members. They'll say like, "Oh, the." Prince George's County, they're doing this, and it's doing that, and, uh, and my brother will say to them, my family, like, uh, well, did you tell them that's not part of your, their con your contract? Like, you're, you have this planning meeting, you shouldn't be using your planning meeting to go to a professional development, and they're like, oh no, I, I just went. <laughs> well, that's not, you need, we all need to take responsibility as workers. And it is like, no, regardless of what profession we are as, and what status you are, whether you're an employee or you're an independent contractor, you need to participate and take responsibility for the choices you are making. And um, Devin shared something, this little beautiful little thing with me this morning on a text and um, that the solutions are here. They're like all here. Yeah. They're already here. But we just need to do them, right? And collectively. And take action on them. Yes. And collectively. Yes. But yeah. it, it starts individually mm -hmm. and then showing up to like these Tama cafes and. Yeah, so on that note, I mean, not that I'm trying to cut off anybody, but I want to do the altar call, <laughs> okay, at this, <laughs> at this point. I didn't, I didn't know there was one. Well, <laughs> well, so. <laughs> I want to invite you all. You've got the uh, you've got the QR code. I really want to invite you all to join us with Teaching Artists of the Mid Atlantic. We are we are growing. We are robust. You can see we want to do the work to support each other. So please set up your profile and join us at least online and come to a TA cafe once in a while. We got two or three of them a month. Yeah, some people come like once once a year, some people come every six months, and people come every single week of every month. And I, I want to say, um, Tama is the kind of community that, um, it's a give and take community. So you, as much as you give, you get it back. Yes. Um, you know, whatever your give is, your give might not be as big as this person's give. Whatever your give is, it's whatever you can do. And it's not like, you don't have to come to every session or you don't have to be hands-on for everything. Mm -hmm. But um, I think even if you, you come to one and come to two and then you're like, oh, I kind of get it now. I've benefited so much from the, from the first time I really came and really gave. And I was like, oh, now I get it. You don't get it until you come. <laughs> That's right. So I think we'll take a moment to open up for questions. Yeah, a um, couple of minutes. Anybody have any comments, questions, criticism? It doesn't matter. Whatever actions. You actions, <laughs> yes, that they would like to share, and I'll bring the microphone out so we can make sure we capture it. 
Hi. Um, so I work for an organization that uh, that hires teaching artists. Uh, you know, they're out in the schools, but I'm also an artist myself. So I know both sides of the story. And one of the challenges from an organizational standpoint is, you know, you do the best you can to hire, you know, what you believe are the professional teaching artists. But there is an issue of quality control if you're going to be sustainable in that field because those schools will cut those funds in a heartbeat if they feel like you're not delivering what they are expecting, you know, educationally at that, at that level. So we, to, just to stay alive, we have to enact some form of quality control to monitor what teach artists are doing so we can defend them, you know, because if they do something sideways in a class and we're not, we can't answer for it, then we're gonna lose anyway. So, you know, there, there are two sides to the story where, you know, we want the professionals, we want them, but the ones that we get, we still got to make sure that they, you know, we try to create partnership with them so that they are on board with how we keep getting them paid. You know, we want you to come back next year. We want to keep giving you money, but <laughs> you got to do these things to make sure that we all win. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's just another side of the, the coin. I, I also, I, I know I've been on both sides of the table myself, right? And I actually, now that I'm on, I, I started off in as a, I, my first job was with Kaiser Permanente Educational Theater Programs, <laughs> and uh, I was 21, and um, and then you know I ventured. I, that was a full-time job. I got a full-time salary with them. It was pretty spectacular. I uh, got medical benefits, and um, anyway, but then I moved out and um, did DC acting, and then I got an admin job, um, and a lot of things drove me to that, but. In that position, I was working in Pennsylvania, um, and I had other smaller admin jobs too prior to that, but this was, I was director of community engagement and education, and I oversaw all the teaching artists. And I know now that I'm now back in this seat full time that I made a tremendous mistakes. And I was designing programs without the teaching artists actually at the table from the very beginning. And that was my mistake. And I wish I could go back and reset and redo things in a different way because I know they would have done better for me there. Anybody else want to address the issue of quality control? Yeah, I mean, if they're, if, they are, if they're at the table when you are designing the program, right, that you're going to be delivering, then you have a better sense of what it is that they're going to be doing and the quality that you're going to be receiving. Um, and don't get me wrong, I said earlier I asked the funders and the organizational reps to, you know, please leave. I mean, I do, but I, that doesn't mean that I don't allow them in at all. It's just that my student, we are not a fishbowl. And the last thing I want to do with kids, many of whom are marginalized, is to make them feel like they're, you know, even more less than by having you know, privileged folks looking at them, you know, and taking pictures of them. I don't think that's right. So, I mean, I get what you're saying. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I still have a job as a, no, fortunately, I still have a job as an arts, part-time arts administrator too. Thank the, thank the Lord, but, 
um, I still have my business as well. And there are, and I, I advocate on both sides, yeah. you know, because um, teaching artists should, uh, we are professionals and we want to be treated with respect. And I'll just say, even as an individual business, I've hired other artists, uh, and this one particular artist came late, five minutes before showtime. I don't use them anymore, because that's a reflection on us. So we respect the quality control issue, yeah. um, and I don't think that any of us was saying not to do the quality control, it's the approach, and, you know, and, and, and doing it from a respectful standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what we're saying. Yes. Anyone else have a comment or question or something to add or action? Just a, ve a very simple question. Um, what would you recommend to be the best way to, to integrate into your network? I pulled up the link tree. I saw a lot of delicious resources and offerings. So yeah, what would you say is the, uh, the best way to tap in and get into y'all's pool, if that makes sense? Well, it does. You can email any one of us. Um, I, I, I'd love to have a conversation with you here. Um, but I let, last week, someone signed up to the directory. And they, you know, they had a problem. And then I, I got on a call, 15-minute call. Um, I, I draw, give people um, what do you, that Canly thing or whatever. Calendly. I, I, Calendly, whatever. I, I never know how to say it. Um, it. You know, I have a Calendly that I get out, and people can just sign up for a 15-minute meeting and get you all the resources you need. That makes sense, because we all have different mediums. We all work in different areas, and we all need different things. Yeah. And also, let me say that um, last week I had a meeting with a representative of the D.C. Public Schools. They run the, the Division of the Arts. And they said that they've been looking for a directory of artists. So uh, we sent them to our website. Yes. We have a TA directory where uh, each artist, you, you can right now, you can go and create your own um, uh, profile mm -hmm. free of charge. Will I owe you any money? No, you won't owe anything. It's free of charge. You can put whatever you want on there. And they were so grateful to have that. And so, and remember, we're talking about the entire Mid-Atlantic region. So that's something that you can do while, you know, we, we speak with you and, and, and help you with that. I'm, I'm in Washington, D.C., and I'm the director of the D.C. chapter. And, uh, and, and the rest of the, uh, uh, Kalisha is the director of Maryland, and we have chapters in every state. Well, and I, it's probably not a quick question, but it's just putting it out there. Um, when you were talking about, you know, coming up with your prices and what your rate should be, how do you then challenge organizations who've already decided what their rates are mm -hmm. to then change the way that they think to pay you your rate? Because if they've already decided this is the budget for this project Absolutely. and it's not anywhere near what you should be making. That is goes back to what you said at being an administrator, right? I wished that my teaching artists would have given me an invoice with the price that they wanted and a professional discount because then I would have had a pile of invoices at the end of the year, fiscal year, that I could then take to the board and say, this is all the information I've received and I tallied this up and this is how I need to expand my budget. You can use that blurb from the, um, the pay calculator as well on your invoices. All right, Wait, hello. Um, I have two like quick questions. This will be the last question, so we can wrap it up. 
Yes. That could be really quick. Um, so the first one, I'm a fashion stylist, and um, I'm trying to get more into the schools with fashion, but it's just so hard because they look at art as certain only certain mediums, but it's like fashion's there as well. So I'm trying to incorporate. Well, I guess the question is, how would I incorporate myself as a business, but also in a way to get into these schools where I'm not necessarily being such a business? If that makes sense. That's a very big question. I think we need to talk. Is so. that in Maryland? Yeah, that's the yeah. question I wanted to ask. I'm in Baltimore. I got you. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So we got to end because we don't want to uh, delay any longer. But we want to thank you all for being here. If you wouldn't mind, give the panel a round of applause. Thank you, Maryland Citizens for the Arts. Thank you all for letting us be here. And we'll see you. Uh, we hope to hear from you real soon. Thank you. <laughs>